Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to be chatting today with Jessica Hurlbut. She is an amazing mama, and she's going to share some of her story with us and just some about her life. So thank you, Jessica, for being here. I'm super excited to be here and hang out with other foster and adoptive moms. That's my, it's my posse. <laughs> yes, same. I love it. So tell us just a little bit about your family right now. Yeah. So yeah, I have five kids. I'm married. My husband's a pastor. We live in upstate New York and our family is very diverse in every sense of the word. My oldest is 14 tomorrow and he's just a typical teenager, you know, but very mature for his age. And then my daughter Mara is only a year younger. She's 13 and she has severe autism and she's my biological child. And then after we had her about three years after having her, we were kind of like, I had always wanted to adopt. So we were like, do we adopt now? Do we have another one of our own? But she had so many struggles, especially during that three, four-year-old period, you know, that we were kind of just like praying about it really. And kind of just felt like, you know, if we get pregnant, like we won't try, but if it happens, it happens. And then also started taking the certification classes for foster care. So like open this door, you know, and just see what happens. So We finished the 10 week certification and got called like before the classes were even done. You know how that is (laughs) for a newborn baby boy who is now our son. His name is Isaac. And so we were super excited, but not sure, you know, if he'd stay with us because the mom was going to court and, and about a week after we got him, I found out I was pregnant, but, and I didn't, I didn't freak out. I didn't freak out too much because I kind of was like, he was, and you know, with fostering, right? Like we didn't know what was going to happen with him. I mean, we were already falling in love, in love with him like one weekend. We're like, hey, we're in trouble. But yeah, that was kind of really up in the air. And I'm like, we got nine months, you know, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, you know, they'll be close in age, you know? So, and I, I ended up having a son, so it's really neat. They're seven oh months or, well, no, yeah. Eight months, eight months apart or something oh like that. Goodness. Yeah. So, um, then, so we had this newborn, I'm really pregnant now, not that it matters, but my newborn is African-American. I'm very pregnant. My husband's a pastor. Things just look weird. And then (laughs) I'm on a visit with their biological family. And the mom says to me, oh, you know, I'm like really big at this time, you know, and she's just like, oh, I know how you feel. I'm expecting to, I'm so nauseous. And I'm like, no, no, you're no, you're not. This is a cruel joke. So yeah. Um, So his sister, Isaac's sister, Emma was born 13 months after he was born. So my kids are, so basically we had three babies under the age of one. Uh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, so I mean, it's better now. So my, my, I'm talking about babies, but they're now eight, eight and seven. Okay. And we um, ended up, we were super lucky and ended up being able to adopt. It was a couple year process, right? But to adopt the sibling group that we had. And yeah, so that's my family. 
Wow. Okay. So can you just tell me a little bit more about what those first few years were like? I mean, what in the world? I, I feel like my life is cuckoo right now and I can't even, it it was, yeah, PTSD. (laughs) I think we figured out, we went through like, I can't remember if it was five or 600 diapers like in uh in a was that even a week or a month's time maybe it was a month let's say it it was it was bad (laughs) because at the time like when they were all babies my daughter with the severe autism was still not potty trained now she was five I think at that time but you know a lot of times it takes a lot longer so I literally prayed to Jesus one night and I said listen you told me to take these kids trying to obey you but you gotta help me here like I cannot you gotta help her and it was it was funny we got my youngest daughter's name is Emma we had her picked her up from the hospital and maybe two weeks after having her as a newborn you know they're waking up you know like every couple hours and the other one wakes up and they're all crying and need to be fed. And, um, I was feeding one of the babies and I went out into the hallway cause I heard someone else up and I'm like, Oh, who's up? What was my daughter, Mara? And I'm like, Mara, what are you doing? Get back to bed. And she w- had left the bathroom and like, which oh, is unheard of, yeah. <laughs> not at night, but not at any time. I'm like, what are you doing? And I like went in to see if like, you know, she had unrolled all the toilet paper and she just had used the toilet. Oh my and gosh. literally. And it was not like, I was not working with her. (laughs) I just was surviving. It was just a miracle. And since then she, you know, I mean, she had her moments, but she was potty trained. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. But it was crazy. It was, yeah. I mean, my family, honestly, my immediate family really was like, when, you know, we had the one we were fostering and I was pregnant, they were just like, everybody sat me down and had like that serious talk. Oh, of yeah. like, you really need to consider what you're doing. And, and we did, and we really prayed about it. We didn't want to do something just because, or, you know, even out of like, well, they need someone for, you know, this child and all these different, you know, sometimes you get the pressures of social services and all that stuff. We didn't want to just succumb because of that. We really wanted it to be like, is this what we're supposed to do? God, is this next move? And as scary as it was, we felt a peace. So, but it was hard to deal with a lot of people's opinions because they were just like, you're crazy. You don't do this to yourself, you know? And it was hard. There was probably three years, super tough. But now that they're older, I'm just like, I wouldn't want it any other way. I really am so glad that they have the sibling group too, has each other, mm-hmm. you know? And when they ask questions or when they meet their, you know, biological parents one day, I'm like, they're going to do it together. Like they're yes. never not going to feel, you know, as alone. And so- it was kind of worth the sacrifice in the end. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I, oh, thank you for saying that. I just was talking to my therapist earlier today and I said, I am so thankful that this was not our plan that the, we would do two yes. of us to hear this quickly, but it was totally God. And now I'm so thankful. I wouldn't have it any other way because they're full biological siblings exactly. and they had, they had the same first story, you know, and that right. no matter how that looks for them to navigate it, they're going to navigate it together. And that gives me so much peace. So I love that you said that on the flip side of things too, you know, a lot of times social services will not want to split them up. So mm-hmm. it's like from the get go, we kind of thought we wanted to adopt a sibling group, but we didn't expect it like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of in our heart, but we were like, wait, let's slow down a little, mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, God, God knows. <laughs> yes. 
He does for sure. So what was it like for you as, as your kids have gotten older, as they have started to ask questions, how have you shared with them um, those parts of their story? Yeah. I mean, we decided from the beginning to always tell them, you know, even when they were little, I know some people don't do that. And for different reasons, you know, and so when they're real small, two or three, they just, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. run and play like they don't get it, but I wanted them to know the word. I wanted them to know adoption. And honestly, my daughter is seven. And in my opinion, I would think that she would be the one asking the most questions. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think maybe it's partly her personality and maybe it will be more when she's a teen, you know, that those questions are going to come a lot more, but she really, she knows she's adopted. She knows she has biological parents, you know, and I, the one thing we always told them, and I feel I can say this with confidence. And now I know everybody's situation is different. Right. But I was in the, the court when the, both of the parents had to surrender their rights. Mm. And I remember waking up that morning being like so excited because I knew that our kids were going to be freed. And also obviously realizing that they were surrendering, but it was almost like, yeah, that's really bad, but like, I'm happy. And then by the time I got to court, I mean, they were of course a mess and I didn't realize, and I don't know if you've ever sat in one of those in the courtroom for that, but the, the judge literally had the parents repeat. It it reminded me of like, when you say your marriage vows Mm -hmm. and like the officiator, you know, would say, repeat after me. And then you have to repeat the thing, you know, so they would say like, you cannot speak to call, talk, reach out to, you know, and then they would have to repeat Mm. that. So their parents are of course a mess. And I was sobbing so so hard that the social worker was like, are you okay? Should you leave? Cause like I was disrupting the, the, you know, hearing, but so I say all that to say, I can tell my kids without a shadow of a doubt, your parents loved you so much mm-hmm. and not like cliche, yeah. but they weren't able to take care of you the way that they needed to. And they knew that. And so they made the choice that you would be taking care of. We'd take care of you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, kind of real general. I mean, I don't go into a lot of the nitty gritty and stuff. I mean, obviously as they get a little bit older, they will, but it's been my son who's only a year older than my daughter that so many questions really? and struggling and you know missing them you know mm-hmm. I made the mistake a while ago I don't know if you call it a mistake or not but my son had asked me so many questions I told him his birth mom's name and somehow that made her so much more tangible which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing but so you know he's just always talking about missing her and you know it's just heartbreaking but one thing that I found that helped um probably about six months ago because he just kind of like he was talking about her at school he was talking about her to the you know the students at school and which was fine we never want to encourage him not to especially to someone his friends or whatever but it was kind of like becoming like obsessive it's like trying to find that line where they feel the freedom to speak mm. what's going on inside of them versus like, okay, can't like hyper-focus on this. Right. Cause it'd make them sad. Um, but 
one day, all of a sudden, my husband just, he was asking a million questions and he said, well, what if, what if when we get older, cause our stances, you know, when they're, you know, in high school, 17, 18, if they want to connect with their birth parents, we will help them do that. Whatever that looks like, you know, kind of let that be their personal decision and we will help facilitate it. So my husband just kind of reiterated to him. He was like, well, what if we can't find, you know, her and And my husband said, listen, if we have to fly in a plane across the world, if we have to, you know, uh, search her down and hire an investigator, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not going to have to do that, but you know what I'm saying? He just super, super reassured him that no matter what, and we'll go with you and you won't be alone and, and you can meet her and, and something about that really put a settling thing, I think, in my son in the last six months, not that he doesn't ever talk about being adopted, but it's, it's really made a difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's where we're at. <laughs> yes. I think that is just so good to talk about because I think so many people have those questions of like, what's it going to be like for my kid down the road? Yeah. And not many of us have friends who have gone through a similar journey. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to hear people's perspectives and, and what their kids are asking and things like that. But I do think, like you said, like it's every kid is so different different. and we don't know. So we just have to like rest in that, not knowing and just figuring it out as we go kind of thing. And then we're not going to like break anything by, you know, doing the best that we can and and going with the wisdom we have in each moment every day. We love our kids. We're going to do what they need. Yeah. I think, and I think if they know that, I mean, at the end of the day, even if, you know, we don't always navigate things perfectly it's the love they're receiving that's gonna ground them more than even their questions so yes oh my goodness yes so how long has it been since you've been involved in with foster care well um let me see my son so probably about 10 years okay and so what has life looked like for you after foster care once all the adoption stuff signed sealed delivered yep so when my my son and daughter were adopted. We decided to close our home, but then I think it was probably, I'm fuzzy with time, you know, the mom brain. Yeah, going back. But <laughs> I want to say maybe six months later, cause they have an older sibling. He's a half brother and he has been in foster care since he was like four or five. So we were still trying to do visits with him. And so it wasn't super, you know, every maybe three months or something, because he wasn't in the area and he moved a lot. He experienced a lot of trauma. What's sad about his story is he experienced a lot more trauma in foster care than he ever did as a, as a kid. You know what I mean? And I'm not like knocking foster care, but he was put in a boy's home that was horrendous with like abuse after abuse to the point that the boy's home is no longer exist is shut down after many court cases, which he had to actually testify in. Some of that came out when we started visiting him, but we had kind of, you know, we started visiting him a little bit more frequently and just kind of said, I think at the time he was in trying to think, uh, I think it was in a different group home and we, you know, foster it, so, social services was like, would you ever consider taking him? And we said, we would, we just have to go slow, you know, mm-hmm. just cause we don't know what that looks like. And there was so much going on in our family too, because okay. my daughter still had this severe autism and my son, my biological son, although he was only a couple years old was starting to show red flags too. So it was this crazy, like, you know, we don't know what we're in for down the road. So it was really hard to navigate. And he had all this trauma, right? Of the older brother. 
but we were like, it would be so great. Like if we could have them all together. So we did some weekends, which led to, so about six months after our kids were adopted the summer, we took him for the whole summer. And honestly, it went really well. I mean, there were moments where he kind of had a breakdown and, and, you know, whatever, some behaviors, but very few, he loved his siblings so much and he was just desperate for love, you know? So we thought, well, maybe this is going to work. So we were fostering him all summer and then school started. We, I don't even think we made it a week through school. And as soon as he got to school, and I think, I honestly think that the group home setting, and I'm not saying anything bad of it, but the, the protocol, the restraints, like the way they have to do things. If somebody's like if something escalates, they have to clear the room. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if a child, you know, throws a chair, they have to hold them, restrain them and all of these things. And, and then on top of that, he, because he had moved around since he was four, he was super behind in school. Mm-hmm. So when he started back up, he'd get really like frustrated with himself. He couldn't read still. And at the time he was like nine, he couldn't do a lot of simple math. So he'd get embarrassed, which would lead to frustration, which would lead to him acting out in some way, which then would lead to this whole, like, let's clear the room. Let's do this. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of like a light switch. He would, you know, scream at the teachers. He heard a teacher. I mean, it was only a week's time. And we're like, what, how could this whole summer we've been with Mm -hmm. him all summer, good days and bad days and nothing like this. Then the minute you put him in like that structured setting, it was like a whole nother person. Yeah. So I think we did two weeks and the second week, my husband had to literally stay at the school. Now my husband has a full-time job. (laughs) Thankfully he was a pastor and he kind of just did what he had to do at the time, but he had to stay at the school and be like the teacher's aide because that's the only person that he would listen to when he started to get upset. And so we were just like, what are we going to do? And after the second week, my husband was gone for one night for like this meeting for church. And he ended up, he got in trouble at school and I went to pick him up and he ran away. Like he ran out of the school and just took off. And so the police were called and then he had to go, you know, to the mental health ward. And, and after that point, and we were still like, what do we do here? Basically social services. And he was there for a couple of weeks and, you know, psychiatric, you know, help or whatever, but the social services ended up saying, you know, with these violent outbursts, we don't feel it's safe for him to be placed in a home with any children. Yeah. Um, so they kind of made the decision for us, unfortunately. Um, and it was actually really upsetting because we were going to visit him every day up there. And then one day we went to visit him and he was gone. Oh my goodness. Like they didn't tell us. I mean, they told us, wow. we couldn't, you know, they told us he couldn't live with us, but we were still, you know, trying to stay connected, whatever. And we just showed up and they were like, no, he's, we found a home for him out of the County. We didn't think it was best for you to say goodbye. So oh it's pretty, gosh. yeah, it was pretty upsetting. Yeah. No. And no. so since that, I mean, obviously that was several years ago. Then we like closed, closed our home, even though we mm-hmm. were kind of closed before, but then open and we still have been able to see um, him, but it's more like every six months or so Yeah, about three and a half hours from us. Okay. So, but yeah, so that's kind of, that kind of was the last, like, okay, I think we need to close for mm-hmm now so but who knows as the kids get older I'm like "Mm, we could do one more my husband looks at me crazy (laughs) (laughs) yes oh my goodness 
Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety-reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. Well, I know that you're actually doing a lot of work like in the mom space online. So I want you to tell us about that and, and how people yeah. can connect with you too. Um, yeah. So I think it was October, me and my husband launched a podcast, which was kind of, you know, not really, it was kind of a surprise. <laughs> um, it's called the full spectrum parent. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it since October. We do shows every other week and it's just kind of parenting. A lot of times we talk about autism, but it's, you know, we call it the full spectrum because honestly, our kids, like we have it all. We have the typical teen, we have the severe behaviors, you know, and our, the two that we've adopted, they don't, well, my son does have a a diagnosis of ADHD, but um, they just struggle with attention. They struggle, you know, with some reactive attachment stuff. So there's kind of that whole challenges in that arena too. So yeah, we kind of just speak to all of those things and it's been super fun. We haven't argued too much. <laughs> I was like, can we do this? You know, I'm like, are we gonna, you know, it, but it's been really cool. And, you know, it kind of is neat because originally I was going to do it with a friend, a, f- mm-hmm. a friend of mine, and um, that fell through. And so I was kind of like, you know, looking at my husband, like he was the last resort, but now I look back and be like, oh, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't even be the same without him. So it's, it's been really fun. That's awesome. So what made you decide, okay, I really want to start this podcast and I want to, you know, talk about parenting and the full spectrum of parenting. What made you decide to do that? I think really what it came down to was when my kids were younger, I, I was looking all over for a podcast like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of podcasts you can find on the topic of autism. And that's kind of what I was looking for. Right. But a lot of it has to do more with the science or with therapy, um, just like ABA, which has been a lifesaver for me, honestly. And all of that was good, but it was like, I felt like I could get some of that material, you know, online, or my kids were working with several different, you know, with the school system. Like I had a lot of like resources like that. I just wanted to talk to another mom, right? Like even what you're saying with foster care, I just wanted to be able to not even talk to listen (laughs) to another mom that could relate to what I was going through. Cause at that, when my daughter was diagnosed, when she was three, I knew no one that had a child with autism. And then there would be someone, I remember I went to a couple support groups thinking, okay, this is what I need. I just need to connect with other people in this situation. And I, after the second one, I left crying. Cause it was like, you know, and the, the struggle sometimes with autism is, is a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, a mom would be sharing how, her son's failing math or her daughter doesn't have many friends. And I'm like, my kids are smearing poop all over the walls. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? It just felt like it didn't make me feel better. It yes. made me feel way worse. It made me feel mm-hmm. even more alone. And so that was what I was desperate for. I just need somebody, even if they don't have the answers. And then the other aspect was it was the hope aspect of like, okay, God, where's God in all this? You know, I, I love him. I believe in him. 
I'm praying my daughter's healed, but just having no, like not being able to grasp, like, where are you God? Or Mm -hmm. like, was this your intent? Or just even just processing at like, how do I move forward? How do I trust God? You know, I'm, we're pastors, like, and then when my son was diagnosed, even more so, because it was like, we're not going to live in fear. And we're going to, if we have a child, we're just going to trust God. And, and, you know, even though the doctor's like, well, you know, the, the probability of you having another child with severe autism. And we're like, ah, oh, we don't, you know, we don't receive that in the name of Jesus. Yeah, like, yeah. These things. And then it was like, wait a second, we're in the same exact boat again. Right. And so there was just like that reality of like, wow, like, how do I process this? Like Mm. with my beliefs, you know, and needing hope. And so, yeah, that's kind of why, I mean, obviously when our kids were younger, we could barely survive, right? Like we didn't have the ability to to start a podcast and not that things are perfect now, but I really felt like I want to be the person that I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, just to connect with them that way and just know somebody else's live that, you know, and a little few steps ahead too, especially for those parents, you know, like when their kids three and they first get diagnosed, like, listen, you're going to be okay. It's actually, it will get better. You know, like things like that you need to hear. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's really been healing honestly to do. So that's amazing. I love that you just saw the need and really went for it because I think it's easy just to be like, well, we've got enough going on in our own house. But it's just amazing that you can kind of offer that hope and encouragement to other families who are going through a similar experience. Well, and the truth is autism is so much more prevalent now. Mm -hmm. So like, I just think there's even a greater need, right? Than back when my daughter was diagnosed, because there's just so many children on the spectrum. So, so true. So what advice or encouragement would you give to a mom who is kind of in the trenches right now with just either feeling overwhelmed at home with littles or with behaviors or with even a child with autism or special needs? And they're just like, what? Like, I don't know if I can keep going with this. How do you encourage that mom? Yes. I think the biggest thing I would say is this is a season. It feels like forever. And, I'm, and again, like, I'm not saying like, oh, my kids are perfect now and there's no problems in life. is It's not easy, but the season of the littles, whether they're just typical, you know, running around with diapers and all that stuff or special needs, it is a season. And it, when you're in the middle of it, it's like, you can't see past it. Mm-hmm. And you, and then, then people tell you, you should be enjoying this. And then you have the guilt. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And I'm not saying and some parents might have like, you know, every day was <laughs> flowers and roses, but for me, it was a really hard struggle because I personally, I love ministry. I wanted to work maybe not full-time after I had, we didn't plan to have two back to back. I said, you know what? I'm totally fine. Like I'll just work part-time, but I still really want to be involved. We were doing youth, working with teenagers and youth ministry at the time. And I had these kids, teens that I loved. So I was like, I don't want to just let this go. Plus I'm the kind of person I get really like antsy if I'm in my home 24 seven, like, mm-hmm. and antsy's not the word grumpy. is <laughs> a better <laughs> word, right? And so I just felt like it was a good, like, let me get out of the house two days, have that different environment. And then I feel like I'm a better mom when I'm here because you know what I mean? And everybody's different. Right. But so I say all that to say, like, if you're really struggling in the trenches and it feels like you can't see your way out, first of all, don't 
have all this guilt on you. Like I should be appreciating this more. Um, you know, you're going to have days where you're absolutely loving being, you know, home with your kids. And there's going to be some days that are really hard, but it won't last. Like no matter how much you think it is there, this is a season and it's a season that you only get once, you know, and to just pray that God gives you the grace, but honestly, yeah, I mean, I didn't know how I was going to survive some days, honestly, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like you really, especially in the middle of the nights, like when I don't get sleep, man, it's Same bad, way. isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> so it, but that just to know that that's normal, like anybody mm-hmm. that's feeling that way, man, it's totally normal. You're not abnormal. You're not a bad mom. And that, you know, this won't last. This is a season and God's going to give you the grace to get through it. So mm-hmm. Oh, so, so good. Thank you for that encouragement and just your wisdom and your heart. Um, I want people to be able to connect with you online and where can we find your podcast? Yeah. So it, the easiest way is probably just to, I mean, my, our podcast is anywhere, just full spectrum parent. Um, but the easiest way to connect with me, which also has my podcast on it is my website. And it's just Jessica Hurlba, H-U-R-L-B-U-T.com. So yeah, pretty much everything's there. I have a blog I update every week and the podcast is all in there too. So perfect. We'll definitely link it all up for everybody and thank you so much for taking yeah, this the time to have a